Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boy Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. And I want to thank Christine, who became our latest Patreon supporter at the uh, Shamus level of uh, $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. Also, I want to thank... I want to thank Pamela and Donald for sending along a one-time donation with the Zell service. Uh, And I also want to thank Kevin for sending along a one-time donation through support.greatdetectives.net. All right, well, uh, now it's time for today's episode as we get started with a new series, Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. The uh, character was created based on a uh, book Uh, written by Robert W. Chambers in 1906, called Tracer of Lost Persons. Mr. Keene first came to the air in 1937 and remained on the air until 1955, which is 18 years, which is longer than uh, pretty much any other radio detective series and most other radio series as well. Though only a fraction of those episodes survive until today. For its first six years, the series was a thrice weekly serial. On November 11, 1943, it moved to the half hour format, which it would have for the rest of its run. The series came from Anne and Frank Hummert, who also brought programs we played previously, such as Mr. Chameleon, Hearthstone of the Death Squad, and uh, Inspector Thorne. So the episodes are of a similar quality, which means that some listeners will enjoy them and some listeners not so much. Only one episode survives from the serialized era, uh, and we'll play that after our main episode for those who want to hear it, so you can get a feel for what the uh, original Mr. Keen series was like. The first episode we actually have is from January of 1944, and writer uh, Jim Cox described the series as moving to from a search for lost persons to hunting down uh, murderers. And even though they would still call him Tracer of Lost Persons, even when he was no longer doing missing person cases. So now, from January the 6th of 1944, here now is The Case of the Moonless Night. To save both time and money in waxing floors, use economical no-rubbing Aerowax. Just apply it, and in six to nine minutes, it dries itself to a hard, lustrous finish that saves countless scrubbing. Makes dingy floors shine like new, yet Aerowax costs only 25 cents a pint. Try Aerowax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air.
Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, would you like to have an attractive, dazzling smile, teeth that sparkle with all their natural brilliance? Then try the new Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste. Colonos acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver, erasing the common surface stains and dingy film that so often robs you of an attractive smile. See the difference it makes in the appearance of your teeth. Try Colonos toothpaste. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S tonight. Now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Our story this time opens far from Mr. Keene's comfortable office in New York. On a stormy night in the deep south. A night lashed by wind and rain. A ramshackle old cab makes its way up a back road. Over his shoulder, the old Negro driver talks to his two passengers. Mr. Keene and the latter's assistant, Mike Clancy. So y'all want me to drop you off at the Mead place? Yes, driver. That's what I said. Will we soon be there? In hardly a minute, boss. Wouldn't get me to go visiting in there at night. And why not? Most unnatural folks in there. Crazy folks. Saints preserve us. All touched in the head and the heart. Why do you say that? You'll meet them, boss. Here you are, gentlemen. This gate right over here. Hmm. Quite a big place. All walled in. I'll get out and ring the bell for you. Thank you. And I'll wait here till someone comes for the fetcher. But I ain't going inside. Driver, you wouldn't be superstitious, eh? Oh, no, no, sir. Just intelligent. I was very intelligent about places where not to go. Oh, Mr. King, <laughs> I... Uh... I just remembered something terribly important. What's that, Mike? Well, I got an appointment tonight to go bowling in New York. <laughs> Steady, Mike. There comes somebody now. Oh, it's a great game. Big as a horse. And a woman with him. She's unlocking the gate. Come on, Mike. Let's get out. On your responsibility, sir. Driver, I uh, believe this covers the fare. Thank you, sir. And uh, good luck to you. Good evening. I uh, suppose you're Mr. Keene. Yes, this is my assistant, Mike Clancy. I'm Dorothea Mead. How do you do? How do you do? Please come in. Sorry you had to make the trip in such weather, Mr. Keene. Not at all. I'm much more troubled by what you had to say in your letter, Miss Mead. Yes, it's so disturbing about Uncle Adam. Let's walk along the driveway, shall we? We'll get some shelter from the trees. Well, these are water oaks, I believe. Mm -hmm. Twelve altogether in a double row. They're magnificent. Yes, but they've been going to pieces lately. There's the house on up ahead. Oh, yes. That's one of the most beautiful and majestic southern mansions I've ever seen. 
but decaying like everything else around here. Oh, be careful of that first step, Mr. King. It's loose. I have it. Just fasten Nero's leash to the post here. Please come inside. And just to hang your coat and hat from those hooks there. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be in out of the rain. Well, if you'll come across the hall now, we'll make ourselves comfortable in the library. Stop where you are. Saints preserve us. Turn around. Get out of this house. It's that man. The top of the stairs. You're not wanted here. Get out. Oh, now stop it, Cousin Roscoe. You're being very rude. I don't like strangers. I hate them. Go on back to your room, dear. And work on your plans. Otherwise, you'll never capture Washington. Oh, yes. Washington. I'll move up reinforcements to the Army of the Potomac. Dorothea, see that I am not disturbed. Glory be. Poor Roscoe is still fighting the war of the states, Mr. King. So it would seem. Here, let's go into the library. Of course. Now, if you just make yourselves comfortable. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, to get a few facts straight, this place belongs to your Uncle Adam? Yes, Mr. King. How old is he? About 80. And he disappeared just 10 days ago? That's right. That's why I want you to investigate. Well, now, who are all the members of the household? Well, I myself, I'm just visiting here. Then there are two nephews and another niece. You've just met one of the nephews, my cousin Roscoe. I'd say. Then there's also Roscoe's sister, Harriet. Both about 50. Yes. Finally, there's my cousin Herbert Mead. About 40. Very charming. He lived for years in India. Oh, did he? Came back last year with wonderful gifts for all of us. I believe he's enormously wealthy. At any rate, that was the entire household except for the servant. Your uncle and two nieces and two nephews. Yes. Now, tell me about the exact circumstance of his disappearance, Miss Dorothea. Well, after dinner that night, Uncle Adam decided to go for a walk. It was very dark, moonless, but quite mild. He went by himself? No, Nero trotted off with him, Mr. King. Mm-hmm. Who was the last person to see him? Oh, I was. I went out after him to offer him a flashlight. He said... Nonsense, my dear. I don't need it. Oh, but it's so awfully dark, Uncle Adam. I know every pebble around here by its first name. Uh, come along, Nero. Let's go get some air. And that was the last time you saw him, eh? What about Nero? We found Nero here the next morning, tied to a post. Well, we presumed that Uncle Adam had decided not to take him after all. Or disappeared after returning. Did you start a search for him? The very next morning, Mr. King. Well, the police went all over the grounds and no trace of him. Then I decided to write to you. Oh, I'm so terribly worried. What could have happened to him, Mr. King? It's much too early to start guessing, my dear. Miss Dorothea, quite frankly, how did your uncle get along with the other members of the household? Well, he was something of a tease. Oh, hello, Cousin Herbert. Hello, Dorothea. I understand Mr. Keene has arrived. Yes, and this is his assistant, Mr. Clancy. How do you do? do? It was a dreadful business. If there's any way I can help, Mr. Keene... I may want to talk to you later, Mr. Mead. Well, I'll be in my room. Delighted to have met you, Mr. Keene. Seems like a very pleasant sort. Oh, he's a dear. And about the only one that Uncle Adam never picked on. 
course, Uncle Adam's been supporting Roscoe and Harriet for years as permanent guests. But he could never let off reminding Harriet about her age. Harriet, my dear niece, sometimes I begin to think you'll never find a husband. Be still, Uncle Adam. I must admit, though, that I met a fellow the other day who's quite smitten with you, Harriet. Oh, oh, really? Did you? Miss Harriet, he said, isn't the flashy kind, but for solid good looks, she can't be beat. Oh, tell me, who said that? Oh, a fellow in the old man's home. <laughs> I hate you, Uncle Adam. I hate you. That wasn't very kind. But in money matters, he was the very soul of generosity. Here, look, inside the drawer of this table, Mr. Keith. Stuffed with bills. It was there for Roscoe and Harriet to use if they wished. Interesting. Boss, there's something very odd about the size of those bills. Yes, this is the old-fashioned currency, Mike. About 50% larger than what's issued nowadays. It's one of my uncle's eccentricities. He's kept a bale of cash in the bank vault for years, and he's still drawing on it. I see. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, besides the servants, was there anybody else around the grounds about the time he disappeared? Well, yes. Uncle Adam had hired three or four men to work on the oaks. That double row we saw as we came in, eh? Yes. And I can get you the names of all the men who worked here. That can wait until morning. Oh, yes, of course. Let me show you to your room now. Here you are, Mr. Keene. Your room, Mr. Clancy, is the one down the hall, then. Well, thank you, Miss Dorothea. I'll be one to talk a minute with the boss. I'll find it later. Everything's all laid out for you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Boss, what do you make of it? Nothing. Yet. Oh, this place gives me the creeps. Mm, relax, Michael. Oh, I get the feeling that eyes are on me all the time. And then that darn rainstorm. Oh, I... I wish she hadn't put us off in this lonely old wing by ourselves. Steady, Mike. Go to sleep. Well, I'll try to anyhow. Good night, boss. Good night. <sighs> Almost 11 o'clock. It's a strange house. And a strange family. I wonder if that storm will clear by morning. Must have a look around the grounds as soon as possible. See if... Oh, great Scott. Oh. Mike Clancy. Somebody's turned off the hall light. One moment, Mike, while I find the hall light. Ah, there you are, lying in the floor. Wait, Mike, wait. I'll fasten it from your neck. There we are. Oh, Stan's preserves. What was it? A silk stocking drawn around your neck like a noose. Glory be. Tell me, what happened? I don't know, boss. I, I stepped out into the hall. I started from my own room. Suddenly the light went out and I was being choked. With a silk stocking? Oh, there's no better use for silk stockings in times like these. One second. You notice anything about the color of this? Well, it, it's, it's dark, sort of. Gunmetal. The same color that Dorothea Mead was wearing. Oh, boss, I... I told you I should have went bowling tonight in little old New York.
morning, Mr. Keene. Good morning. You enjoying the view from the porch? Yes, it's beautiful. Thank heavens the storm has cleared. Yes, it gave me the chance to look around the grounds. Oh, did you find anything interesting? Mm-hmm. But on Mr. Clancy's neck, look at this. Oh, a stocking? It looks like one of my own. It was used last night in an attempt to choke Mr. Clancy. Oh, oh dear God. I wonder if you can explain. Well, I, I'm afraid that I can. I, I have several pairs like that. When I went back to my room last night, Roscoe was coming out. Was he? He said he'd been looking for some book. And, oh, I know he has fits of temper, but I hate to believe he actually would fight. Here he comes now, up the gravel path. Ah, that you, Keen? Just the man I want to see. Good. I want to talk with you. Tell me, Keen. If you were in a situation where your major forces were disposed along the Potomac and Grant was moving along your flank... Now, Mr. Mead. Oh, oh, you think I'm a bit of a fool, don't you? Well, look at these. Dollar bills? A dozen of them. The old-fashioned size. I've been investigating for a week, all on my own. You know where they all turned up? In the bar back in town. The bartender told me. I have bought them all up. Know why? Well, why? Because they'd all been spent there by Ben Matley. Oh, who's he? He's one of the men working on the grounds when my uncle disappeared. Simple as could be. Matley murdered Uncle Adam. Well, that's very much worth looking into. But what about this stocking, Mr. Lee? Ever see it before? Have you? Of course. I'm Dorothea's leg. <laughs> One moment, Mr. Lee. I'm afraid I'll have to go after it. Mr. Lee! Stop where you are. Mr. Keene, uh, this is Cousin Harriet. I don't want this man here. Tell him for us to go alone. Cousin Harriet, if we're ever to find Uncle Adam. Why, Jim, I don't much care if we do. This seems to be a house of hate with motives on every side. But Mr. Keene continues his search. Meanwhile, thousands of girls who suffer the heartache of being unpopular, clever, pretty, smartly dressed girls, have just one thing to blame. Teeth that rob them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonos toothpaste. A high-polishing toothpaste. Its action is like a jeweler's polish removing tarnish from a piece of silver. You'll find Colonos helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth. Brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new Colonos tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get Colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonos toothpaste at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene, who is knocking on the door of a cottage near the Mead estate. Good morning. Are you Ben Matley? Sure enough. Keene is my name. Yeah. I heard they was calling you from New York to find old Mr. Adam Mead. Well, Matley, I'm going to ask you a very blunt question. Yeah? How do you come to have so many of those large-sized bills that Mr. Adam Mead always used? Heck, I worked for him for weeks on them trees. 
You would seem to be spending more than your normal share. Sure. I'm good at poker, and the other boys ain't. Well, tell me, Matt Lee, about the work you did in those water oaks. Now, I gather that it consisted of hollowing out the rotted parts and filling them with cement. Yeah, sure enough. And then, were they finished? Yep. A couple of weeks ago today. Before Mr. Mead disappeared? The day before. Oh. Uh, sure had big holes in them. Funny the way that rot gets in water oaks. Holes big as a house, Mr. Keene. Hmm. But it never affects black walnut trees that way, does it? Hardly ever. What do you ask me for? Why? For an excellent reason. We're ready for lunch, Mr. Keene. Good, Miss Dorothea. I've worked up quite an appetite with all my walking this morning. Not this way. The others are all waiting. How do you do? How do you do? Mr. Clancy's sitting here by my side. Will you sit next to Cousin Herbert, Mr. Keene? Delighted. Any progress, Mr. Keene? Progress? Why, I believe... Excuse me. Oh, did you drop something on the floor? I've got a pebble in my shoe. I'll have it out in a moment. Ah, there we are. You were saying, Mr. Keene? Negative progress. I mean that we can safely eliminate one theory. And what is that? If your uncle has been murdered, Miss Harriet, I don't believe it was for a legacy. Why do you say that, Mr. Keene? Because, Miss Dorothea, he has been made to disappear so completely. I don't follow. Not at all, Mr. Keene. Assuming that he is dead, his will cannot be probated, nor can his estate be distributed for at least five years. You see, there must be proof of death through the finding of the body, or else under the laws of this state, five years must pass until he can be presumed to be legally dead. Well, I didn't know that. Everybody knows that. Be that as it may, Cousin Herbert. Uncle Adam will turn up all right. What makes you so sure, Miss Harriet? A Harriet's? bad penny always turns up. Somebody knocking? It's I, Mr. Keene, Herbert Mead. Oh, come in. Mr. Keene. One moment, I'll switch on the bed lamp. I'm sorry to waken you. It was my first chance to break away from the others. What's the trouble? I don't know whether Dorothy has been completely frightened, Mr. Keene. In what regard? When Uncle Adam walked off that night, he wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Really? I was looking out of the library window. Down the path, Uncle Adam was joined by... Well, family loyalty is a good thing, but... Come, come, Mr. Mead. The best way is to have it all come out now. Surely we could enter a plea of insanity for him. For Roscoe, you mean? You've seen one of his wages, I believe. Yes. Uncle Adam always was ridiculing poor Roscoe's military campaigns. But the body... Mr. Keene, I know the grounds have already been searched once. But I noticed this morning that the way Nero was mooning around in back of the house. It's only a stab in the dark, but I... Yes, go on. Tomorrow, by daylight, we'll go there together. All right. First thing in the morning. Good morning, Mr. Keene. Good morning, Mike. Huh. 
something on your mind, boss? Well, Mike, yesterday at lunch I set a trap. And? Tell me about it. There was no pebble in my shoe yesterday. I was examining a trouser cuff. I, I don't follow you. Come along, Mike. We have an appointment this morning with Herbert Mead. Maybe he's gone downstairs by now, Mr. Kinsu. Maybe. Let's try the door. Okay. Boss, oh, God. Oh, look at him there in the bed. Blood all over his face. Quick, let's get to him. Mr. Mead. Herbert. Herbert. Oh, my, a nasty gash on his forehead, sir. Herbert, can you hear me? Boss, he must be dead. No. He seems to be just barely breathing. Mike, run downstairs. Have somebody phone for a doctor. Okay, boss. Well, what are you doing there, sir? Having a look in the closet, Mike. What for? The killer? No, just his trousers. Well, we certainly had a fright, Mr. King. What did the doctor say, Miss Dorothea? Nasty cut for Cousin Herbert, but no fracture, fortunately. Does Herbert have any idea who attacked him? Just going back to discuss that with him now. You coming with me, Mr. King? As a matter of fact, I'll join you later if you don't mind. I want to have a look in your uncle's tool shed, if I may. Of course, anything. Only we must find out once and for all who's responsible for all these horrors in this house. Oh, poor Herbert. Don't you think you should stay in bed? Oh, don't worry, Dorothy. I'll be all right. And you have no idea who it was? I was deep asleep. Next thing, something came down on my head. I remember the pain and nothing. Why, you could have been killed. I wasn't hit with much force, the doctor said. Dorothea, that makes me start wondering. Perhaps... Oh, no, no. But Harriet is such a strange one, always sulking, always taking Roscoe's part. Oh, Herbert. May I come in? Why, of course, Mr. King. I see you're sitting up, Mr. Mead. And, and you, Mr. King. I'm afraid so, my dear. Afraid? What I mean is, uh, you know that old black walnut tree out there in back? You can just about see the top of it from that window? Yes. Well, what about it? Well, just before your uncle's disappearance, some work was being done on the 12 oaks out in front, wasn't it? They had rotted. That's right. So? And that's understandable. But I find also that another tree was treated the same way. Bored out, refilled with cement. That is very strange. Why, Mr. Keaton? Black walnut doesn't usually decay like that. It doesn't ordinarily require that sort of surgery. A few minutes ago, I had that cement filling broken open. Oh, dear God, you mean... Your uncle, Adam Mead, has been lying inside that tree for two weeks. Dead. Oh. Entombed in the black walnut by the person who killed him. Who was that person? The possibilities are numerous. Somebody who was mentally unbalanced, possibly a thief, possibly. Mm-hmm. Or else a rather greedy and ruthless man who knew nothing about the laws of inheritance. Who? Who? You, Herbert Mead. What did you say, Mr. Oh, now we've got a third lunatic in the house. But, Keen, don't you realize that I was nearly killed here myself? Nearly killed, yes. 
You staged that attack yourself and hit yourself just hard enough to bring blood. No worse. Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, when you found me, I was completely unconscious. Correct. The answer is in this night table. See? A box of sleeping powder, half gone. First you gashed yourself, then took a big dose of the sleeping powders, and then waited for results. Well, you're out of your mind. You see, while you lay there unconscious, I didn't waste too much time in pity. I looked in your closet, examined the cuffs of every pair of trousers you wear. I, I don't understand. In two of them, I found granules of wood, a black walnut scraping. In a third, bits of cement. Oh, now, just a moment. Night after night, while the men working on the oaks left their equipment around, you went out and worked on the black walnut, making a tomb. Then, when it was ready, you went out in the dark after your uncle and strangled him. Nonsense! The same way you attacked my assistant later. You see, you did not understand the laws of legacy, Serpent Me. But when I mentioned it at the table yesterday, you realized you'd made a mistake. You realized the body had to be found. And you gave me hints to guide you. You said Nero had been mooning around in back. Then, my dear fellow, you really gave yourself away. Stand back, King, both of you. Got a Careful, Mead. Into the closet, you two. You won't get far, Mead. I've already been in touch with the police. Got this is for me. I've got you covered. Thank you, sir. That was well done. I heard every word of it. I rescue Herbert Mead for the murder of your uncle, Adam Mead. Well, the train's on time, Mike. We'll soon be getting into Pennsylvania Station. I'm sure when I tell me, old lady, just how close she came to losing her precious Michael Clancy. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> but, boss, I wonder what on earth you'd ever do if you didn't happen to know about things like black walnut trees and the laws of inheritance. What would I do, Mike? I wouldn't be a detective. <laughs> And so ends the case of the Moonless Night. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us the bizarre and baffling case of the missing witness. To help bring out the gleaming natural brightness of your teeth, remove common surface stains by brushing them with a new colonel, a high-polishing toothpaste. Colonos acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver. It quickly removes surface stains and helps make your teeth and smile look their dazzling, romantic best. Try the new Colonos toothpaste tonight. have just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old Tracer turns to the case of the missing witness. And now, one closing thought. Many of you listening in have signed the Home Front Pledge, a pledge made by 15 million Americans in the past year 
to pay no more than top legal prices and accept no ration goods without ration points. If all of us will do these two simple things, we will soon wipe out the black market, cut down the cost of living, and ensure a fair share of food for the wives and families of our fighting men and millions of others living on fixed income. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Kalanos Toothpaste and Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Now, a wonderfully inexpensive, easy way to wax wood floors and linoleum to a high, sparkling finish in only six to nine minutes. Use AeroWax, a self-polishing wax that goes on in a jiffy, dries without rubbing to a marvelous high luster, adds beauty to your rooms, saves countless scrubbings, yet costs only 25 cents a pint. Get AeroWax, A-E-R-O-W-A-X, tomorrow. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, this was, to be honest, a bit below par for Mr. Keene. Uh, the series does have a lot better episodes than this. I still thought Bennett Kilpack uh, turned in a good performance as Mr. Keene. Uh, they don't really name the actor who plays the role, but he was the main voice of Mr. Keene. He had some health problems and missed some episodes because he really was uh, an older actor, uh, uh, at this point, when this particular episode aired, he was 61, and it had a really long career on stage as well as on radio. With Mr. Keene being his no most uh, notable role, uh, and he appeared as the character in more than 1,200 episodes. So he was a big part of the series' success, even though as part of the Hummert standard uh, closing for the program, he's not often mentioned. All right, well, now a bit of a bonus audio. We're going to give you a listen to the only surviving episode from the serial era. So the only surviving episode of the series first six plus years on the air. So from June the 6th, 1940, here's the concluding episode of the story, The Case of the Woman Who Wasn't Needed. Those who dislike having ordinary surface stains spoil the appearance of your teeth, you will be glad to know there's a way that removes these stains quickly and easily. You simply brush your teeth as your own dentist advises, up or down from the gum line to the biting edge, not across. And when you do, use Kalinose toothpaste. Use it on a dry brush instead of a wet one. See how quickly it erases those dingy-looking surface stains to reveal the natural color underneath. So try brushing your teeth your dentist's way and use Kalinose toothpaste. Your own mirror will show you the amazing difference this way can make in how your teeth look. Ask for Kalinose, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, at any drugstore. And now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons and the case of the woman who wasn't needed. Mr. Keene located Mrs. Frank, middle-aged wife of a wealthy produce merchant, in an orphan's camp in North Carolina after she'd suddenly disappeared. She was working as a counselor. Mr. Keene learned that Mrs. Frank has been a very lonely woman and had left her family when she was convinced that they didn't need her. Although she's determined not to take up her old life, Mr. Keene prevailed upon her to return with him to New York. 
Now, we find her husband, Henry Frank, and their married daughter, Ruth, in the Frank's New York home, awaiting the return of Mr. Keene and the missing woman. Father, are you sure that Mother's on her way here? Yes, Ruth. I just told you I've talked to Mr. Keene on the telephone. They ought to be here in just a little while. But, Father, what else did Mr. Keene All I know is that Mr. Keene found Mother somewhere down in North Carolina. Why didn't they telegraph you from there? I don't know. There are lots of things about this crazy disappearance of your mother that I don't understand. For one thing, why she ran off in the first place. Well, didn't you even talk to Mother on the telephone? Mm, She didn't want to talk to me. Is that what Mr. Keene said? All he said was that they were on their way here. It certainly is a fine mess. If your mother's gone off on this foolish adventure of hers, everything's been neglected. The house, business, everything. Your business seems to have gotten along all right without you. Well, Ruth, did you call your brother and tell him that mother was on her way home? Yes, I called Fred. Well, why isn't he here to greet his own mother? Oh, poor Fred, he's having his troubles. He's in bed with a touch of a grip. And Louise has her hands full trying to take care of the children and at the same time playing nurse to Fred. Oh, if mother were only here. The boy never sick a day has to wait until his mother is gone. I've never seen so many things happen all at one time. When your mother is here, everything is going all right. Just as usual, the whole family goes to pieces. Still, mother never did anything, really. I mean, well, there wasn't anything for her to really do. I don't know what it is, but even the food doesn't taste right. The maid's no good. Can't even find my clothes. Nothing in, in order. Nothing. Oh, why don't they get here? Father, are you sure you got the message right? Yes, I told you. I spoke to Mr. Keene. They're driving right out here to the house. Didn't you tell them to hurry? I didn't have a chance to tell them anything. I... I was too excited. Ever since Mother's been gone, all the children have been doing is crying to their grandma. Well, if she was here, you'd never let her go near the children. Father, you know there's a reason for that. It isn't because I don't want the children to love her. It's, it's only because she was all the time spoiling you. You just bring up your own children your own way. Your mother isn't the kind who wants to interfere. But you know how sensitive she is. Whenever I say anything, she... Oh, Father, come away from the window. They're here. There. There's our car. Pardon me, Mr. Keene. I don't think we have to go over this. I 
I just want to say one word to my wife. Thank you. There's no time to lose your temper. Father, Mr. King is right. Ruth, let your father alone. But I can tell you, Henry, that whatever you say won't impress me very much. Mother, I don't understand this at all, but it isn't right that you and father and all of us should air our differences in front of Mr. King. I'm sure that he isn't interested. Well, I, uh, I don't like to mix in a family problem. That's just what we have here, a problem, Mr. Keene. I don't see any problem here at all. Henry, that's because you don't have any eyes. Mother, what is the problem? No. No, it's no use of me talking. Mr. Keene, I told you what it would be like. Mr. Frank, when you first came to me and told me that your wife had disappeared, the first thing I wanted to know was whether Mrs. Frank had any reason to leave it. That's right, and I told you the truth. Yes. You told me the truth. Only as far as you were aware of it. No, I'm not accusing you of hiding anything. Well, then, so I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Father, give Mr. King a chance to explain. The fact was, Mr. Frank, you said that your wife had no reason to believe it. That's exactly what I told you, Mr. King, and I meant it every word of it. Of course you did. And if I hadn't thought you meant it, I can assure you that I wouldn't have undertaken to locate Mrs. Frank. But I felt sincerely sorry for you, and I determined to find your wife. Although I knew at the time that there must have been a reason for her disappearance. Mother, why did you leave what reason did you have? Listen to Mr. King. He'll tell you. Well, I was fortunate enough to locate Mrs. Frank. Where were you, Mother? Your mother was in a camp for orphans. Oh, not really. What on earth? Well, Ethel, what in the name of heaven were you doing in an orphan's camp? I... I was having one of the best times of my life. I would never have sold my face in this house again if it hadn't been for Mr. King. Mr. Frank, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Most people run away for reasons which don't exist except perhaps in their own minds. But in the case of your wife, Mrs. Frank had a better reason than most people. Ethel, yeah, so what have you told, Mr. King? I told him the truth, Henry. Yes, Mr. Frank, I'm sure he gave the truth. It's just this. You and every member of your family have been so busy with your own affairs that you really had no time for your wife. Why, Ethel? Yes, Henry. It's true. None of you needed me. You see, Mr. Frank, you have your business, and that keeps you occupied. But just consider, what is Mrs. Frank here? She's already brought up her family, has seen her son and daughter married, and now they have their families and they have really no time for us. Well, Mr. Keene, I, I really never realized that. That's it. You didn't realize. Your wife has made you a good home. Her work, as far as you could see, was done. Yes. Yes, that's true. But it isn't really true. Don't you see, Mr. Frank, a woman who has worked hard all her life to bring up her family, never, never wants to lose her sense of responsibility. Mr. Keene, that... That is the real truth. But, Mrs. Frank, you yourself are not blamed. You had no right, whatever your motive, to run away from a home that just didn't please you. But, Mr. King... Mrs. Frank, let me finish. You had no right to cause them the worry that you have. For believe me, your husband and your children love you. That's true, Mother. You know it's true. They're guilty, perhaps, of selfishness caused by thoughtlessness. They're not guilty, however, of failing to love you and respect you. Well, I know, Mrs. Frank, that you wanted to prove your usefulness. That's right, Mr. King. And as a counselor to orphan children, I, I found that I could be useful. Playing mother to those who really needed me. Mr. King saw how happy I was among all those poor motherless children. Yes, yes that's true. But why run away? There are hundreds of fine, splendid organizations right here in the city that would welcome the kind of guidance that you could give. There are the Girl Scouts, the Campfire Girls, to mention only two of many. Why, I, I never thought of it like that before. Of course you didn't. Well, Mrs. Frank, you will need to open your eyes to the marvelous opportunities all about you. It's easy to be of service. Just offer your help to any one of the numerous organizations who are anxious to get the kind of unselfish service you could give them. 
organizations, especially for young people, need women like you to guide them in their upward struggles. Mr. Keene, you're making me terribly ashamed of myself. And I can't tell you, Mr. Keene, how grateful I am to you. I don't know how to pay you. On that subject, Mr. Frank, I have a suggestion. Send me a check for oh, what do you think my services are worth. That's putting me in a rather awkward position, Mr. Keene. I don't know how to value your services in terms of money. Well, let me make it easy for you. I'm sure your wife will find some worthy cause and identify herself with it. Well, whatever money you send me, it will be my pleasure to contribute it to that worthy cause. Oh, I really don't know how to thank you, Mr. Keene. Mrs. Frank, I'm only too glad to have been able to open the eyes of those who really want to see you. Mother, dear, now get your heart. We're going someplace. Where? Mother, you've got to see Fred. He needs you. Oh, he just has a slight touch of the grip, but he's never sick until you go away. Mother, he does need you. Just like we all need you. And always will as long as he lives. And with Mrs. Frank happily returned to the family who really needed her, Mr. Keene concludes the case of the woman who wasn't needed. Listen tomorrow when Mr. Keene begins a new and even more exciting case. If you are at all uncertain in your own mind about the dentist you now give your family to use, by all means, speak to your dentist. Ask him to recommend a dentist he knows is pure, effective, and above all, absolutely safe. Quite possibly, he will suggest Colinos toothpaste. For Colinos has been awarded the seal of acceptance of the American Dental Association Council on Dental Therapeutics, an unbiased scientific body which represents over 43,000 practicing dentists. This is the highest and most important recognition any dentist can have. For it means that Colinos passed tests for purity, safety, and polishing power, and the judge on the basis of actual and carefully considered evidence was awarded this seal of acceptance. This is important for you to know, and you should know, too, just why Colinos made such a remarkable record. It is because Colinos is actually the special formula of a famous specialist who created in Colinos what he considered to be the perfect dentist, the kind he would want his own patients to use. No wonder, then, that Colinos meets the exacting standards of other dentists. So, remember this one way to be sure. The dentifrice you give your loved ones to use is pure, effective, and safe. Wherever you buy, whenever you buy, always ask for Colinos, the dentifrice that has been awarded the seal of acceptance of the American Dental Association. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colinos. Ask for it tonight. Your teeth and gums are precious. Help your dentist to keep them sound and healthy by visiting him regularly. And depend on his advice. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. So definitely the early Mr. Keene was a mix of a little bit of mystery and then uh, quite a bit of uh, family drama as well as uh, personal advice. But that's where Mr. Keene started and it's moving towards a much more traditional detective uh, story style. But there'll be quite a few episodes until it really hits that stride. All right, well, that will do it for today. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.